0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Favourite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. Welcome back everybody, hope you all had a great week. We have one email to get to before we get to this week's topic, and it is from Adam. Adam wrote in about his favorite TikTokers. Uh, said, love the TikTok episode, guys. I resonated with so many of the creators you mentioned. I also tend to watch a lot of rug cleaning, driveway power washings, mowing videos, etc. and I love the lockpicking lawyer. Uh, one I don't even follow, but I love his videos, is Airplane Facts with Max. I forgot to mention him. I'm glad Yo. you brought this up.
1: Oh, yeah. that sounds amazing.
0: He's an airplane mechanic who shows parts of planes, then talks in a comedic way about how the components are different or similar to ones in your house or car. But in the past couple of months, his videos have been comparing components to things in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. For example, one snippet of a, a popular one, he says, Behind me you'll see the fan blades of a jet engine. Something that makes these blades a little different from the blade that Aragorn carried in the Lord of the Rings is that these blades weren't actually forged by the Dwarven smith Telcar in the First Age and then carried by Elendil in the Second Age as he led the last alliance of elves and men against Sauron and the armies of Mordor, dot, 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 it goes on. It's, it's I've seen that That's one. So it's awesome. so good. Oh, yeah. I love it. Uh, a couple other of my favorites, Lindy and Jarrett Lowry. Uh, they're a husband and wife who prank each other with giant balloons filled with shaving
1: cream. Oh, yes. Those, <laughs> those are saxophone. awesome. Yeah, I have
0: seen a lot of those. <laughs> Karsten Belt is an amazing sax player who adds saxophone solos to songs that don't need them. I've <laughs> oh, seen yeah. those videos. They're That's great, too. Good. Oh,
1: those are awesome.
0: Jason Banks is a comedian who often does videos of him playing a dad and his son, Derek. The audio of the video is very commonly used by other people lip syncing. Jax. Jax writes songs, got pretty big last year with her Victoria's Secret blowing up everywhere. Uh, She mostly does comedic songs while playing the piano. Dan McClellan is a Bible scholar with multiple advanced degrees who knows more about the Bible than anyone I've ever seen and does a lot of debunking and other videos using uh, using useful data. Uh, I've seen his videos too. They're really, really good. I, I really like his content. Uh, thanks again for a fun show. Have a great week. Sincerely, tech support and brother-in-law to Shannon, Adam. <laughs> Adam, we go. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for writing in. Uh, you were actually one of the ones, I don't. I might have forgot to mention, you were the one of the ones who uh, suggested that we do a, a TikTok That's right. episode. Gracie and Eiley had also mentioned it. We had a we had a couple people say that we ought to try that out. So thank you for writing in, sharing some of your favorites. I'm glad to hear that some of them are my favorites too, even though I, I apparently forgot to mention them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all the updates I have before we get into this week's topic. You guys have anything?
2: Um, yeah, actually. So from our animated episode, animated TV shows. Alex and I've been watching a lot more Bluey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's so good. It was kind of a random thing that like we were in between seasons of shows and we were like, I just want something um lighthearted and stuff. And I actually, after watching The Last of Us, watched a couple episodes of Bluey because I, I was so like freaked out <laughs> and like sad. So I was like, okay, Bluey's lighthearted. And so we actually just kept going and watched a whole bunch of it. And we learned recently that actually because we were looking up the voice actors for the kids who play bingo and bluey to see if they'd been in anything else. And what we found out is actually, aside from only a couple of the kids, um, none of the kids are uh, voice actors. They're kids of the uh, their family for the crew and um, people working on the show. And they, for the most part, are anonymous because they figured, you know, if they want to pursue this, then great. Otherwise, This is just kind of a fun family project, which I thought was kind of cool. That's very interesting. That's really cool.
0: I like that a lot. That's awesome. And yeah, Bluey is a good palate cleanser after watching something heavy. (laughs) 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 I like that. Sean, anything before we get going?
1: Uh, No, nothing, nothing else for me.
0: All right, cool. Well, I guess uh, with that out of the way, we can get to this week's topic. We are due for another video game topic, and we realize we have exhausted all of our Nintendo consoles. (laughs) (laughs) We've done all the home ones. We've done all the mobile ones. We've lumped them all together. So until the next one comes out, we're out of Nintendo consoles. So this week, we're going to talk about our favorite PC games, games uh, designed to be played on a home desktop computer or laptop, uh, a PC or Mac. In my case, I've actually never owned a Windows PC. I've only ever owned Macs, but we're counting it. It's it's all you know what we mean. Uh, personal computer, PC. Yeah. I was I was actually surprised looking as I started thinking about the list. There's a couple standouts, but then I started thinking about it more, especially going back to like when I was younger. I've got a pretty long list, so uh, we're I think we're gonna have plenty to talk about here. <laughs>
1: well, good. Well, I'll, I'll kick things off. I I think I, I have some that span a period of time, but also it's probably more emphasized on recent. But I will jump back back to the old days of high school in which I guess I was always it was it was maybe an indication that I was interested in computers and that I was interested in playing computer games with other people and that was we made this tradition, I don't know how it actually started, of getting a bunch of computers together on uh, a table with a network switch and everything like all in one location. We would go to our local chapel and even like borrow uh, a table and chairs. So it was this mm-hmm. big setup. <laughs> and what's funny is the internet was around at the time. We, we, we told everybody what version to be on. But uh, I think, I don't know if... We didn't have good enough connections or it was fun, more fun being together or whatever it was. But it took forever to set up. And then because it took so long to set up, we wanted to take advantage of it. And so we would on New Year's Eve, we would have some normal New Year's Eve like celebrations and we'd play some of the games before. And then we would pull an all nighter playing Playing games. We did this year over year. And I think our dad didn't really love the idea of an all-nighter. And so I remember one or two years where he had us do chores on New Year's Day. And I don't think we ever like did chores on New Year's (laughs) Day, but I think he wanted to discourage it so that we wouldn't just sleep all day. And so Most of the time, if I remember right, we would go 36 hours without sleep and just kind of push through, but it was a fun tradition. (laughs) I remember doing that too, yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of the games we played uh, uh most, we'll talk about it in a second i'm sure but most of the time we played a lot of warcraft uh like warcraft 3 specifically yeah although not just that we played other games but i know like that was in that transition where like these LAN parties right a local area network these these LAN parties were a thing because not everybody had fast internet not all games supported a lot of players online, um, like they obviously do now. And so that was sort of the tradition, yeah, that we, <laughs> we would take forever, especially like it was, all, it was also like it was a mix of Macs and PCs between all of our friends. It's so, like, yeah, it took forever to get it going. And so then, of course, once it was set up, we just never wanted to stop. And it was worth it to stay up for, you know, 36 hours yeah. just to be able to get that <laughs> all night gaming in. That was
1: so much fun. So one of the first favorites I'll talk about is good old Warcraft 3 which yeah which is a, a real time strategy game i got into the the genre through warcraft 2 which our older brother Nolan had won through a, a contest with uh, a, like a, an an Apple magazine of some kind. What was it called? It was like Mac. I can't remember if it was Mac
0: Alley or Mac World or something something like that. I can't remember the exact name of it. But he had mowed uh, uh,
1: the Apple logo into our lawn and then like stood on the swing set, took a picture, and and he, he got some runner up award and won the Warcraft 2 battle chest, which I think was Warcraft, Warcraft 2, and the Warcraft 2 expansion. Yeah, and. I was I was pretty young at the time but really enjoyed that and Warcraft 3 was one of the first games that I I really enjoyed the game I played through the campaign and and the idea of the game is that it's in this fantasy world and it's not it's not to be mixed up with World of Warcraft it's it's a game where you have these armies and it might be an orc army a human army an undead army or a night elf army and you have to gather resources and and try to take over. But what was really interesting and fun about Warcraft 3 is it was at least the first game I had played that had a pretty cool marketplace built into it as well. And so some of the game was playing the core game. And then a fair amount of the time we would switch it up and play games that were, were content basically created on top of Warcraft 3, which... Uh, If you've heard of the the genre of games MOBA, those all come from one user created mod for Warcraft Three: Defense Against the Ancients. Yeah, I love playing that. (laughs) Anyway, so it just it was a really fun game. Um, Warcraft Three came out in two thousand two, and it just it was fun because. It, you know, I was the right age, but also it had some better quality of life things like this might sound kind of funny, but in like Warcraft 2, I think you could only select eight characters at a time for your army, and then you would have to select another one to move them. And, and it was nice that you could select more, or that if you told somebody in your army, if you had clerics in your army... And you wanted them to heal people that you didn't have to continually tell them. You could say, hey, just heal people when they get hurt. Right. And so it seemed so smooth and like futuristic. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and just to, to add on top of that, because it was on my list as well, like Warcraft Three was such an awesome game because it, it really did expand from from Warcraft Two in such a logical way. Uh, Warcraft Two had multiplayer local; it might have had on. Oh yeah, there was the I think there was the BattleNet edition. They did you a re released
1: version, yeah, with online.
0: But it really was only two players, right? You could I remember networking two computers at home playing playing you know multiplayer, but it was only two. And Warcraft expanded it to be I think up to eight. Or or maybe even more in these multiplayer maps, these battle maps. And that was it was such a fun thing, which is again why it was kind of our game of choice for, for New Year's Eve to do this this big network thing, is because we could actually have like all of us playing. Anyway, yeah, I love I loved it. I loved Warcraft three. What a great game. Well, if you don't mind, I'm gonna continue with another Blizzard game, which probably sorry, Sean, it's probably also on your list. All <laughs> good. It. It's possibly my favorite game of all time. It's it's easily a top five, and that's StarCraft 2. Oh yeah. Uh, if you're if you're not familiar with these, like, hey, Warcraft, Starcraft, are these the same thing? They're yeah, very similar. Go, They're both b- you from... go build
1: things. <laughs> no, I'm just Basically.
0: kidding. <laughs> well, sort of actually. <laughs> so yeah, they both are games from Blizzard. They're both uh, RTS or real time strategy games. There was an original Starcraft game that I played some, but I really really got into Starcraft two, and I still play it. And it's the the idea. Of Warcraft, of course, coming from a high fantasy setting. Right? You have uh, you know men and elves and dwarves and orcs and dragons and you know it's it's high fantasy stuff. Um StarCraft was taking the same sort of game mechanic, the same idea of this real-time strategy game but putting it into a sci-fi setting. So you had these different races. There were the Terran, which are the which are the humans. Um there are the Protoss who are these uh, an alien species that don't even have mouths. They they communicate through like telepathy and then the Zerg that are like these bug-like Creepy creatures. StarCraft Two expanded even more so. Like Sean was saying, you know, originally you could only have a certain number of characters, and there was a lot of like to get anybody to do anything, you had to click on them and tell them what to do. And Warcraft Three expanded that to have bigger armies, faster build times, that sort of thing. StarCraft Two took that to the, the next level. You could have armies, yeah. I think I think as long, you could have supply up to like 200 or something yes. like that. So you could have these huge armies. For anybody who's not familiar with the real-time strategy game, the idea is that you start on a map and there's a campaign mode for, for single player. There's also battle mode that is really popular in esports. But basically, you start on a map and you start with a home base. You have your, your basic main unit of building for whatever race you're playing as and you have workers that are attached to that. And so... The idea is to build an army and go defeat your enemy or complete whatever objective. Well, if you need to get your basic troops, your Marines or whatever, saying you're playing as, a, as the Terran, you got to build a barracks, which means you have to have your workers go gather minerals and go gather, uh, you know, the supplies and things to build that. And then if you need a stronger unit, you have to build an add-on to that barracks. If you want to build tanks or something, you build a separate building that will train those. And it's that times a million, basically. There's there's so many different things you can do, <laughs> yeah. different units you can train. They all have different strengths and weaknesses, um, strategies that you can use to defeat your enemy or complete objectives. And I don't know what it is about that kind of game that I really, really love. Like, I, I love StarCraft too. I think the story is so great and I think the gameplay is so much fun. And I've never been, like, definitely never been, like, competitive play good. You know, Sean, you can attest, we've played together a million
1: times. Um, yeah, I'm not no, bad, I'm no, but... I, I'm not ranked or anything either. It's just yeah, I fun. can.
0: I could not play in a in a pro tournament by any means, but it's always been a fun thing for me. And it's funny when I talk to some other people who play video games, when it comes out that I love StarCraft 2 they're like, oh, wow, dedication. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. It's just, I just like it. It's just fun. But yeah, I love StarCraft Two. The original game came out in 2010. It, it was basically, it was, it was always intended to be a like a three-part story. Uh, the first one was uh, Wings of Liberty, which came out in 2010, and then uh, Heart of the Swarm, was the uh, second section that focused on the Zerg that was in 2013. And Legacy of the Void was the third one that focused on the Protoss. And then there was an expansion pack after that that came out, I think, in 2016, 17, something like that, the Nova Covert Ops. That's right. It's a great game. And actually, because it's been out for so long and Blizzard uh, is focusing so much more on their, their current titles, like Overwatch and World of Warcraft and that sort of thing, StarCraft, they're still supporting it, but it actually is free to play now. So... If you don't play Star, if you never played StarCraft and you want to try it out, you don't even have to buy the game anymore. You can just jump in and play. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, like I said, possibly my favorite game of all time. It's such a good game.
1: Well, and a couple of fun things on it. This is the only game on on the list that I have actually spent more time watching it than playing it, which, which <laughs> sounds really funny. I know that for a lot of people, they are really, really confused by the idea of watching somebody play video games. And I think the reason I've really enjoyed watching it is just because of the complexity and how much control people have in basically, I don't know, just controlling so many things at the same time. Um, Which, coincidentally, I know that AI, artificial intelligence, is pretty hot right now. And one of the things early on with StarCraft and uh, real-time strategy games lend themselves to this is the idea that they're a very difficult and very challenging problem. Those are synonyms. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) It's a... that real-time strategy, because of the amount of options, is very difficult to train computers to to work with. And so there, it's been opened up, and there's a project from uh, Alphabet, Google, you know, umbrella company called DeepMind that had a collaboration with StarCraft and did a bunch of artificial intelligence learning to try to to really just with the infinite number of options and things you can do to build a competitive uh, bot, basically, not necessarily just for the game itself, but but for uh, research. And so it, it did this this research uh, using Starcraft 2. So anyway, it's been involved in a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of different things. It's so cool. I love that.
2: Man, you guys talked about real games. I forgot about those. So I was thinking about it, and most of my computer games that I ever played were actually emulator games. Like, I played through a lot of Zelda and Kirby and, like, A Boy and His Blob and stuff like that. The one that I don't know if it was actually an emulator or if it was a computer game was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. But for the most part, my first game I'm going to talk about is (laughs) Blobbo. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Blobbo. Yeah.
2: Which we had Light, Lite, um, a shareware game that came with Macintosh, came out in 1995 um, and is officially discontinued. That is a shame because I feel like it would be so simple to turn this into an app. I would play this game on my phone 100%, but <laughs> you can't play it anymore. And now I feel like I actually have the uh, the brain power to actually solve these puzzles. <laughs> this was a very silly, very basic game that you're a little yellow blob and you move around to solve these puzzles but every time you move something else on the map has an action so maybe if like you're, there's water then there's a boat that will go with the current every time you move there might be a bowling ball that if there's nothing underneath it and you are underneath it and you move it will fall on you or if there's an arrow and there's not something blocking it and you move by it, it will shoot at you and i don't remember ever getting past like level three
1: yeah, same here.
2: <laughs> and I learned just from like looking this up that there were actually like if you bought the whole game there were 20 levels and you could like there was like a level maker that you could come up with your own. Hmm. And obviously I never saw that. And there's different <laughs> things online that you can like download somebody like recreated it and things, but Sean, you would be able to look at these files with confidence. I look at it, and I'm worried that I will break my computer. <laughs> so I have not done that.
1: Is it a virus? Maybe. Yeah, but it's worth it. But
2: it's worth it. <laughs> so... There's my dumb first on my favorite oh, list. I, nothing as, that. nothing as like epic as Warcraft and Starcraft.
1: Well, see that's what's fun about talking through these because I I get reminded of games like even during the intro I was like oh Aaron's gonna talk about this game or that game or <laughs> yeah or I, I yeah anyway just some some games early on that I think growing up. In a, in a Mac ecosystem, instead of being introduced super early on to Solitaire and Minesweeper, it was Lunatic Fringe and yeah. Blabo and stuff like that, right? I love it. <laughs> well, let's see. It's back to me. I forgot I already went first. Well, I'm going to bring it back to my recent games. <laughs> so in recent history, one of my most favorite games and probably one of the most addicting games I've ever played is a game called Factorio. Hmm. It came out in 2020, but it was playable for four years before that in a preview mode. And it originally was announced on Indiegogo. And so it's small, it's indie. I know we even talked about doing an indie topic, but I had to bring this up because it's grown a lot. It's sold over, I think, three and a half million copies. And they actually did a port of it late in the fall of this last year to Nintendo Switch. Oh, wow. And... What this game is, it'll sound really funny when I when I start, but it's basically this idea of building factories. (laughs) Um, But but the story of it, I don't do it justice. The story is much better than that. The story of it is that you are an engineer who is on a spaceship and you crash down on some planet And the only way to get out is to use your engineering to really build an entire system that allows you to launch a rocket into space. Now, to launch a rocket into space, it's not quite like some of the cartoony games where you just go find the different parts. Instead, you basically have a shovel and you can scrap parts of your ship You mine the the raw things out of the ground. You you smelt it and you create steel. And as time goes on, it turns out, in order to make rocket fuel and to build a rocket itself and things like that, you have to basically build these giant autonomous factories to help you along your way. Uh, This idea that the amount of research and steel and coal and different power sources were they can get involved and manage a power grid. But the problem is, as you start to get going and you, your factories get bigger and more complex. Um, and you literally have like automated train systems taking you around <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> um, the pollution from the early and easier way to create your factory starts attracting wildlife and they don't like the pollution. And the wildlife are basically these giant bugs mm. that just attack you nonstop and so you have to create now these autonomous defense systems. Early on, some of it's super janky, like the idea that you're just doing some of it manually or you're running around shooting bugs. And then your next version is you're creating these turrets and you create a conveyor belt that has ammo with a with a, a, an arm that grabs things off the conveyor belt and loads the gun. And, and this whole thing is this top-down, built-on sprites, kind of not, not the most graphically intense game, but it is... So much fun, and it's one that you can do multiplayer as well, so if anybody listening this anywhere, whether I know you or not, ends up deciding to get it, <laughs> let me know and i'll I'll play with you because it's just <laughs> it's so much fun just building out these random things it's very rewarding to end the night when you realize that you're like, "Oh shoot, I was going to play this for like fifteen minutes, and then two and a half hours later <laughs> you're like, "Hey, but look, I got this train now." that can bring over copper from this new area and and um, automatically unload it and put it on conveyor belts and feed it into my factory. So oh, anyway. Game, it, games
0: like that are dangerous <laughs> for me. Dangerous.
1: <laughs> That's part of why it's easier to play with other people because if you end up playing with some other people, it means that other people have chances are that they have a significant other or a child or somebody that Or a dog that needs walking. And so you were like, okay, yeah, I guess we better call it for the night.
0: (laughs) Fair, that's fair.
1: Well, uh, so I just talked about StarCraft II, which is a game that,
0: even though it's 10 years old now, or or 12 years old now, the original one, it's still actively being played. It's still supported. I'm going to go jump back to the oldest game on my list, the game called Hellcats Over the Pacific. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, what a good game. It was a flight simulator computer game. Uh, I'm just reading from Wikipedia. Uh, Hellcats Over the Pacific was a flight simulator for the Macintosh computer. It was actually released by Parsoft Interactive and released by Graphic Simulations in 1991. Uh, so, little eight-year-old Aaron was uh, was hanging out and playing playing this game. I, I, as we've talked about, I love airplanes, I love cars, I love you know anything that has an engine that moves, and I loved uh, I loved these fly simulator games. They were so much fun, and we actually had a uh, joystick. Uh, for the computers. It's just a real That's basic right, joystick. Yeah. None of these you know, now you you can see these like super fancy, you know, like like Microsoft flight simulator, like where people are building a whole cockpit. It was not like that. It was very, very simple and basic, but it was awesome to play this game with the joystick. And I didn't realize until I was reading about it on Wikipedia getting ready for tonight that it actually was a really groundbreaking game. It was a major release for the Mac platform and was one of the first 3D games to be able to drive a 640x480 8-bit display at a reasonable frame rate. Of course, 640x480 now sounds like so archaic and tiny, but... (laughs) It was advanced then. It was really cool. the The standard at that time was a VGA three hundred and twenty by two hundred and forty at four bit. So even even itty bittier. So this actually was a, a leap forward. The graphics were were quite advanced for their time. Which I know we talked about in su- our Super Nintendo episode about Star Fox. How it was one of those early three D games, and it was very like you look at it now and it seems so basic and so like, you know, the first Tron movie, like the, the very like polygonal, like flat surfaces and stuff. It was those type of graphics, but that sort of thing wasn't really common back then. This was, this was a a big leap forward. It was a major success. It sold over 50,000 copies, making it a mega hit, which, you know, now they sell crazy amounts, but back then 50,000 was a huge, huge hit. Yeah. Um, the flight controls were fairly simple. Uh, it was not, like I said, like like these uh, really advanced flight simulator games now. Uh, it was very simple controls, which is one of the reasons it was such a popular game that you could play with a mouse or with a joystick and you could actually fly really cool missions with, you know, you had control, you had, you know, control the landing gear and the flaps and stuff like that. But because it was based on a World War II plane, it's not like you had all these missiles and targeting systems and all that stuff. You just had like two bombs and your machine gun and that was it. But it was, boy, it was a great game. I spent so much time uh, playing that game. uh, Just sometimes just flying around. Like sometimes I wasn't even doing the missions. There were were eight different missions you could do. Sometimes I would just go fly around for the heck of it just because it was fun. I didn't realize this, though, uh, reading on. After its release, Parsoft and uh, Graphic Simulations began working on a new game, but the two companies split up and went separate ways, and they developed two separate flight simulator games to follow up on uh, Hellcats Over the Pacific which are two of the games that are on my uh, honorable mentions list. A10 Attack and F-18 Hornet were two oh. of my other favorite games I played so much. it was Those were the two parent companies that did Hellcats and those were like their next games. So
1: I had no idea that, yeah, that was the same
0: group. Yeah, neither did I. And after that they also licensed the basic flight engine to be used in a game that came to be known as Warbirds Yeah, which is a current flight simulator flight battle game that is is on online play and is amazing. It is fantastic and the graphics and stuff, but basic Flight Engine, the basis of it is from this 1991 Hellcats game, which is really, really wild to me.
1: Well, that game was so hard. I enjoyed watching you play it. It also was the kind of thing that because it was more realistic, I always dropped my bombs like in the first two minutes and I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I ran out of bombs, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, you got to start over. Yeah, there were,
0: there were some missions that were definitely harder than others. There was the flight school, there was bomb base, which was one of the simpler ones. It was like you were flying, uh, it was set in the, the Pacific theater in World War II, obviously. And so one of the basic missions was you had to like bomb the runway of this other base. And that one was pretty simple because it was a big straight, long runway. It was easy to get your bombs on that target. But there were some missions that were hard. There was one where you were supposed to be flying escort for a B-17 flying fortress. I think I passed that level like once. It was so hard. And I was was always so mad. I was like, this Stupid bomber. Why are they so slow? They're just getting shot down so easy. But in retrospect, I should have been a better, you know, <laughs> support, <laughs> support aircraft. It was my yeah, fault. It's definitely that, their fault. Yeah. 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 So, but no, I do remember, I do remember that being a fun game and playing, spending so much time on it. I, I practice and practice until I could actually take off and land from the aircraft carrier, which was hard to do. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. Even that. Yeah. It was very difficult. That was a fun game though.
2: All right. My next one is Candy Crisis.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to be ashamed, Shannon. Everybody, this is the beauty of a PC game is there's such a wide range. It's anybody can do anything. You don't have to be an intense gamer like us. To
2: be clear, I feel like Blobo probably stands up to the test of time. It's a silly game, sure. But at least I didn't like start us off with Barbie Fashion Show, which was like a game I was definitely obsessed with or mixed up Mother Goose, which was another silly game I was really into. But anyway, Candy Crisis, which has been turned into an app, but only on iPad. But Candy Crisis is nothing to do with Candy Crush. The gameplay is completely different, but it is a lot more like Dr. Mario. If I had to compare it to a different kind of sort of Tetrisy, puzzly puzzle-y game. That I realized from my research here, so this was a game created by John Stiles in, oh no, where does it say the year in this article? 2005, it looks like. But this game was actually based off of a different game that already existed uh, in Japan called Puyo Puyo, which was an arcade game released in 1991 and was ported to various gaming systems. There was a version of it on the Super Nintendo called Kirby's Avalanche. And then there was a version of on Genesis called Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. (laughs)
0: Whoa, that's great.
2: (laughs) So I'll have to look and see if I can find those games somewhere to test them out with especially um, the Switch Classic games that you can play too. But Candy Crisis, I didn't realize had such a lore to it that we really liked I say we, me and Kristen, that was one of our favorites. But like the music was really good. You were playing kind of side by side one player mode because we had the free version, so we couldn't pay to do the two players. So we'd kind of just take turns. And you're playing against somebody who was also doing it. And if you did a really good row of like a good combo of moves or something, then it would send like rocks over to the other side and then vice versa. Um, It also kind of reminded me a lot of uh, Yoshi Tetris Attack in that kind of it's you against somebody else trying to race to complete your board and the better you do the harder it makes it for the other player but it has this whole lore that actually it's about like this scientist that created these little like they keep calling them in all of the websites they call them skittles and so these little cute skittle guys but they're replicating too fast and so you need to combine them with light colors so that they disappear so they don't take over the world or something i don't know it was fun and the music was good (laughs) i'll have to look it up sounds like
1: a fun one to me i'll have to pull it up for sure i don't even remember it this is one that has not rung a bell for me yeah really sorry shannon
2: that's okay it was good me and kristen loved it kristen knows kristen's gonna be in her car taking her kids to school and she's gonna be yelling shannon i know that game i remember that game and she's gonna be sending us marco polos you just wait
1: (laughs) yep they're coming oh that's exactly right let's see i'm gonna shift gears here a little bit and go to a different genre of computer game, which which I can't remember if we talked about it elsewhere, but I've it yeah, I'm just gonna talk about it. And that is the different Jackbox party games that are oh, out there. Oh,
2: yeah. those are really good. I never even thought about that as being a computer game because we always play it on the Switch.
1: Well,
0: and it's such a hybrid game because it is based in the in a computer on a PC, but also you can play
1: on Switch and with mobile devices. And I'm probably stealing everything you're about to say, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Uh, I can't remember, I think it was a friend that invited us over at one point and was like hey you want to play jackbox and oh, I'd never heard of jackbox and tried it and was hooked and the idea of it is it's like you said it it blends the lines a little bit it's this idea that it it creates in some ways social interaction where the source device that it runs on the core device whether it's a Nintendo or Xbox or computer Basically sets up as a game server that can be used in a website, most of the time on a phone or a tablet of some kind. So the example of this that it, we've played a lot is one of their games called Drawful 2, where people join in on their phone they enter this code and then it'll give some prompt to each person it might have something silly i didn't look up any examples but maybe peacock riding a skateboard or something like that and on your phone it they deliberately have this system in a web browser that has, I think, two colors and you can't erase. And so it's really hard and you try to draw it and then it shows the picture. And then everybody tries to fool each other by thinking of something that that could be. And so it's a game that very much depends on the audience you're playing it with, the the type of relationship you have of what kinds of jokes and things like that, and doesn't really have the type of mentality of a professional competitive league or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just with some <laughs> friends where you vote and you basically the person who can come up with the things that are the most funny wins the round. And as I looked back through, there are a bunch of different games, but one of them I've played the most, but I haven't played it in a long time, was is one called Bomb Corp. That it's this, <laughs> it's one that's a little different than some of the other Jackbox games. That one's where stressful. Instead of <laughs> being as party, yeah, you, it's it's this really boring desk job environment, except that the, the purpose of this desk job is basically to have bombs, but there are bomb problems, and so you have to go defuse them. And so <laughs> you just take a break, and you're having, you know, in the, in the break room, chatting or whatever, and then you have to go disarm 10 bombs, or the building blows up kind of thing. And anyway, just super, super random, super silly, and a lot of fun. They've been fun as well through the pandemic, because even though they're best played together, you really could play it virtually anywhere, right? You could join Zoom or Google Meet or whatever, share your screen, and anybody with a phone connected to the internet anywhere in the world could join in and and play the game with you.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: They're great party games. They're all, like, all of them are so much fun in
0: person or remotely, but yeah, they're just, they're fun group games that don't require, like, a lot of skill or talent and, (laughs) you know, like... Especially, like you said, even the drawing, like even if somebody's really good at drawing, you still have kind of these handicaps to it where like it kind of levels the playing field. So they're oh, they're yeah. really fun games. I love those ones. Um, let's see. I've got I've got a couple more I could talk about. I'll try to not go into maybe quite as much detail. The next one I want to talk about is called Heroes of the Storm. And Sean, yeah. this is probably on your list too. Like Sean was mentioning, with Warcraft 3, there was uh there were a bunch of like mods that people could do to the games to to change them up in in Warcraft and Starcraft, these these real-time strategy games, the maps you're on are very big and it's not like one specific set path that you're going through, even though your objective may be here or there. It's a big open open map. Heroes of the Storm is a MOBA, which, which uh, MOBA stands for uh, Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. Um, sometimes you hear <laughs> with with PC games, especially the, the little uh, acronyms being tossed around. So <laughs> yeah. it's a Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. Um, and the basic premise of all of the maps, they all have, have slight differences. is is that you have like your like home base uh, tower that you're defending and trying to get the other team's tower and there are three lanes uh, so some, or sometimes just two that go th- across the map and you have little little minions that kind of automatically spawn and go across the map at each other and you play as a hero Heroes of the storm it was not the first MOBA that's uh, defense of the ancients yeah yeah and going along with acronyms they they called it Dota that's right yeah so that that might have been the first I actually didn't do research on that but there are there are are plenty of other games that do that. Perhaps most famous of them is a game called League of Legends that is this same premise. But Heroes of the Storm changed things up and and had some some unique uh, things to it. It also was similar uh, in a sense to Smash Brothers uh, in that, you know, Smash Brothers, all the characters you can play as are like the who's who of Nintendo, right? All the different Nintendo yeah. characters. When Blizzard was making this game, they realized, hey, we've got a ton of characters across our properties. We've got so many characters from the Warcraft uh, series, you know, Warcraft 1, 2, and 3 and and uh, World of Warcraft. We've got Starcraft. We've got Diablo. We've got Overwatch. Um, we've, we've even got some characters from like Legacy games back when before we were even called Blizzard, and so those are the characters that are making up this game. You can play as all these different people, and that was one of the th- one of the things I thought was so fun about it. So it's it's always a five versus five team, and you know you could you could have a, a alien whatever from Starcraft, and you could have a you know dwarven rifleman from from Warcraft, and you've got this like demon slayer from Diablo, and <laughs> yeah. it was it was always fun to play as all these characters and interact with them. But it's one of my favorite games because it's one of those ones. That that we played a lot of actually we didn't play we haven't played a lot of this game in person as much as we have remotely when I moved to Los Angeles and then even Sean when you were in in Texas you know we we're we're all spread out all of us siblings So we try to do things to stay connected and for for a long time we had like a weekly game night where whoever was available would hop on online to play whatever game and for a while there we played a lot of Heroes of the Storm because it's a it's a fairly simple game to learn and like we said you can have up to five people on your team so like, you know, me and you, Sean, and Alex had joined us a few times. And, you know, some of our friends, Garrett and Evan and Austin had even played, I think. And uh, Nolan, I think, joined us a couple of times. And it's just, a, it's it's a fun game. It's a team game. And yeah, I just, I've had a lot of fun playing it. I still go back and play. I don't play as often as I used to, but I still do uh, go play a, a round or two here and there. And it's a fun one.
1: Yeah, and the thing I liked about it too, is it, it emphasized the team aspect of things in a, in a way that made it so that you definitely leveled up. And and had to work together as a team, and then also in at least the classic Blizzard Blizzard form through through some random things in there too, where you might be going back and forth, and then all of a sudden, the way the level is set up, there's there's like a a demon and a, an angel who are battling each other and are exactly evenly matched, and you have to go and help them out to try to to get them to defeat you know good or bad and then help you in your cause even though it's it's a simple ish game but adding yeah. some, this epic nature to it, so I thought that was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, and all the maps had their own little quirks, even though the basic, you know, lanes and stuff were kind of the same. Every like there was there's a, a pirate level where you have to <laughs> oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're you can just do the regular normal battle, but if you like defeat certain special minions, you drop coins, and if you go and pay the the pirate captain your coins after a certain amount, he'll fire his cannons at your enemies' towers. You know, so there, there, there's these different like in-map objectives that help you control the game and help you defeat your enemy, you are stronger, faster, whatever, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I thought that added a really fun element to that idea of this, of this multiplayer battle arena. It was, it was, it made a lot more fun, interesting for me anyway. Yeah. Also, people who play Heroes of the Storm are so much nicer. (laughs) Like I played a lot of League of Legends, and I don't mean to drag them through the mud, but, you know, some of the, people I encountered online were kind of toxic and I didn't really encounter that with Heroes of the Storm. People seemed like they were a lot cooler, uh, you know. <laughs>
1: Even your own team of taking your, you know, stealing your kill and stuff like that. And
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like it was just, it seemed like a much more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot more camaraderie uh, in, in Heroes of the Storm yeah. than maybe some other, some other battle arenas. So that's nice for me. I don't like, I don't yeah. want conflict. <laughs> Let's all just have a good time.
2: <laughs> well... Let's talk about Minesweeper.
0: (laughs) Yay!
2: It's funny because, Sean, you'd mentioned it, that, yeah, we had um, Apple computers growing up and everything. And so we didn't really play the standard PC games. And so this is where this one's kind of an iffy. I know it was made originally for PC, but I didn't start playing Minesweeper until, like, I started college because I never understood how to play. I think we had it on a computer, and I would just click randomly because I didn't understand. And um, when I got the very first ever iPad as, like, a graduation gift, um, I went in. I was like, okay, what are some cool apps that I can go in and download to this? And you were just mentioning Garrett. I remember he kind of teased because he was like, let me get this straight. You have this new cutting-edge technology And you have Minesweeper, Solitaire, and Bejeweled. (laughs) And like these were all Uh. Solitaire was. And I remember like I played that one physically with cards, but the other games were new to me, really. And like, Sean, I remember you sitting down and you were like, no, the number means that's how many bombs is touching it. So, like, you got to figure out which spaces are safe based off of that number. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. I'm just, like, <laughs> randomly clicking. But um, I got to a point, and I still have the app on my phone. Like it's, It becomes kind of the mindless game if I'm, like, waiting in line somewhere and I just am fidgeting with something. But, like... You can do a 99 by 99 grid instead of whatever, like, the regular, like, 9 by 9 is or something. Um, And so it takes up the whole entire space and you have to, like, scroll for it. But I got to the point that I was really quick with it, that I would – go rapid fire and I was like listen if if I get out it, that's fine it means I need to start a new game and so like it gives you at the end your like win percentage and it was like you won this game you have a win streak of like 0.1% or something dumb because it was like no you just gotta tap at random and you gotta go fast you can't think about this game
1: <laughs> I, I really enjoy Minesweeper I, I have a confession which is I have actually never learned how to play solitaire neither have I to this day I do really? not I do not know how to play Solitaire, yeah. Neither Chris, do I. Yeah. That was
2: another one. Kristen and I would play a lot in Las Vegas with a, a deck of cards at Pop and Grandma's.
1: But but Minesweeper, yeah. I don't remember where I got into it, but it's it's really fun. And in fact, I taught my wife Amber how to play it just the last week or two. And I found an app where I really liked that it has the ability to make solutions that you don't have to make the educated guesses on. I know that's part of the game, but it, I don't know, it kind of pushed me in some ways because I think in some cases with Minesweeper, I would just, I would do, you know, kind of the level one, two and three type thoughts of things. But then I would just be like, ah, oh, I don't know. And then and just kind of guess and move on. But where I saw a version that I knew could be solved, I had to, it was like next level and like marking things. And anyway, it was was like way too much brain power. But but was a lot of fun nonetheless well changing gears even more drastically here (laughs) i'd like to i'd like to pick one game out here from uh the vr space of of games Hmm. and this is a pretty basic vr game but so much fun to play with friends and family and it's called star trek bridge crew and it's available in VR or in in normal 2D. But basically what it is, it's just a video game version of what we know here locally as the Krista McAuliffe Space Center. Oh, <laughs> Yes. And so you have four people. And what's funny is you put on, especially in VR, all you do is you're sitting on the bridge of the Enterprise and you are sitting there and instead of running around and fighting and shooting and stuff, basically what you're doing is you have a computer screen in front of you in the game that you're looking at on a computer and you're pressing things on that computer. <laughs> 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 and so you're working together and you might have something on the engines where you have to turn the engines and divert power over to the shields or something. So it's, it's more simple than these space simulators we did in elementary school but just just a riot so at some point at some point as it makes it to other platforms i need to research if it is for other platforms yet we all have to get on there and just make fools of ourselves and have a good (laughs) old time
0: yeah totally that's that's awesome i love that yeah I didn't include any VR games on my list because I uh, I have the Oculus Quest 2 or Meta Quest. Uh, Oculus is a cooler name, um, but it's the standalone version. So I didn't even think to include like, right, a yeah. lot of those are PC you know games as well. So maybe I'll
1: have to figure out some other time to talk about my, my VR games. That's like. right. No, I don't. I won't go into any more. I just thought that was another fun one and and well. I, yeah the, the VR portion of it that made it fun and made it super silly was on a computer you could move your mouse and just click the button and it would do an animation of you like pressing a button. But instead <laughs> in VR, it was pretty rudimentary, but it it tracked a little bit and so when we would win, everybody would like raise their hands and then like pinch their fingers together <laughs> you know instead of really celebrating and so it just made it especially silly, but it was just tons of fun.
0: That's awesome. Well, despite my long list, I've got one more I'll talk about here uh, before we get to wrapping up. And that is a game called Escape Velocity. <gasps> Oh, yeah! yeah. What a good game. Oh, man, it's a good game. So Escape Velocity was a single-player role-playing space trading and combat video game. According to Wikipedia, it's a mouthful. But let me explain. So it came out in 1996 from Ambrosia Software for the Apple Macintosh. It was one of the most successful shareware games of its time, which if anybody remembers shareware, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the game, basically, you start out as an intrepid young space adventurer. adventurer who has finally scrounged up enough money for his own ship and is ready to go out and explore the galaxy. And... It actually takes place uh, sort of in our galaxy. Earth exists, the moon and That's Mars right, yeah. exist, and in fact, a lot of the a lot of the planets and systems on the map uh, are actual stars uh, and systems in our in our uh, galaxy. But basically, you have a top down view of your spaceship as you jump from system to system, and then you can land on planets and do different things there. And each you know the 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 overall map is. What is that? I would say close to a hundred different planets or different systems that are in this game, and you basically are just exploring and trying to build, you know, your well, you're you're kind of just doing whatever you want to do. So it's it's interesting. Right. There's lots of different ways you can play the game. There are you, you, you jump from system to system to system. You can be a shipping guy. You know, you can you can buy different spaceships. Right. Uh, some of them are like have high high cargo capacity for like freight shipping and different commodities between systems. Maybe you know buy low here and sell high there to make money you can buy ships that are small and have no cargo but have like good weapons on them and actually go and like fight and shoot people and stuff. There are different governments within the game. So like Earth and the central systems are un- under the Confederacy and then the outer planets there is the rebellion um, and you know there's the tensions there. And so sometimes you'll, you'll have different systems that are fighting and you can go into most planets that have like a spaceport bar and if you go in there sometimes you'll be approached by people who are like hey we're looking for someone to escort our cargo shipment or hey we're looking for somebody to take out a squadron of Confederate fighters that are coming through this system or you you know, hey, we're under attack by pirates. Can someone help us? And all kinds of things. And so you have all these different systems, all these different governments. You have pirates. You have shipper, shipping companies. You have all these different things. And you can basically just kind of play and do what you want uh, in this game. And I had so much fun playing it. It was, it was just it's one of those games that I sunk a lot of time into, you know, (laughs) like I I think we talked about in our Switch games, how I've I've got like 1200 hours on Animal Crossing and stuff and how I'm kind of glad I can't see how many hours I've put into StarCraft (laughs) 2. And I'm glad I don't know how many hours I put into Escape Velocity because it was a lot. But man, what a great game and just a fun, like kind of a galactic sandbox that you could just play and have
1: fun and do what you wanted. And it was really great. That game was awesome. And to the point where you could do pretty cool things too like take over uh, instead of destroying pirates be able to just disable their ship and then board it and take it over and have it added to your own fleet so at some point instead of just this tiny little ship with nothing you're commanding your own fleet and even discovering yeah aliens or or <laughs> you could become a pirate and even demand that a planet like paid you tribute or something <laughs> That's like <right>. that.
0: <laughs> I remember I did, I, cause I played, I played through it. You could do multiple accounts and stuff. And so I would have, you know, like my one guy who was like law abiding citizen. And then there was one account where I was like, screw it. I'm just going to like be a pirate king here. And yeah, I had like <laughs> half the galaxy's planets were like paying me tribute. And so I just had like nothing but money. And I had my own like fleet of escort ships and so many systems I would jump into like instantly their malicious it would come out and try to attack me That's and i would right. just like destroy them all because i had my <laughs> fleet of of fighters surrounding me and it was that was a oh man oh, so, so much, much fun. fun i really wish that there was an easy way to play it on current computers because when it came out it was for the mac uh what was it the mac os it was like
1: up to nine i think mac os nine and then there was a yeah change to Mac OS X. But it was, yeah,
0: it was like, it was different chipsets. It was different right. basic operating system stuff. And so like you can't just take it and open it on a new system now and porting it is kind of tricky because I don't think the company, does Ambrosia even exist anymore? Like I wish, I wish somebody would make a port or even just an emulator version to play it again. Cause I, I really would like, I would totally play it again, start from the beginning and just jump in again. It was such a fun game.
1: Well, it sounds like Aaron and I played the same games and. And shannon did her own thing <laughs> yeah just kidding it's funny it's funny because we had so much overlap with nintendo so it's fun yes. hearing some of the differences even though we had the same old computer yeah. in our house as kids yeah I, it wasn't old at the time right but true yeah just yeah anyway
2: how about mario's game gallery though do you guys remember that, that one is. at all?
0: <laughs> I forgot all about that. You
2: could play checkers, backgammon, go fish, dominoes, and yacht, which was a version of Yahtzee.
0: When you, as soon oh, as you said I that, that you I was like, "Wait, no, idea. Shannon! <gasps> <gasps> I do remember that." Oh, that's funny! Wow,
2: the checkers one was my favorite because you had the Yoshi's that would like eat each other's Yoshi's. Right.
1: I'm pulling up some pictures. Yeah, this is this is a stroll down memory lane.
2: That was what this whole bit of prep was for me for this one was a lot of games being like oh i forgot that thing existed like nanosaur do you guys remember that one
1: i don't I think, think you i were do playing, uh, yeah you that were playing as with...
2: the raptor from the future with a gun <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i think it came as like a demo game on the very first blue iMac that we had is that right is that right i think so i, I yeah i do uh, yes i
0: do remember that now that was a that was weird <laughs>
2: That was a very strange one. That was one that I think was also a little too hard for me, but I definitely remember watching Kristen play it. So
1: I don't know. It was on one of the computers. I feel like it was preloaded.
2: That's my list of games.
1: I uh, dig well, that's it. That's a good one. I I went into too much detail, so I'm just going to save the rest of mine for honorable mentions. Likewise, yeah, I've got I've got some honorable mentions we can talk
0: about here, but uh, this is probably a good spot to wrap it up. This was this was good. What a wide range of games oh, we have yeah. covered here. <laughs> I really like this a lot. Well, uh, I guess probably a good spot to wrap it up, but as usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite PC games. There are so many, as we all the way from, you know, Solitaire to StarCraft and everywhere in between, so let us know yep. what your favorites were. <laughs> uh, also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes, and we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating, is it because we didn't talk about, like, So many of the epic PC games that were not available on Mac because we only had a Mac. (laughs) We didn't have a Windows PC. (laughs) So we're out of luck there. I'm so sorry. Well,
1: even then, who played Oregon Trail at school? You know, like, yes. (laughs) They have these computer labs and then they, I don't know, were they just not sure what else to do besides teach you how to <laughs> type? It was like, all right, here you go. Try not to get, it was, you know, a disease It
2: was history. And it was educational, I guess. That's and right.
0: I digress. I never did learn what dysentery was. I just know people died of it. <laughs>
2: it was bad <laughs> That's news.
0: <right>. Bad news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess that'll do it until next week. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. Talk to y'all later. Bye the music all right should we honorable mention yeah let's do it x-wing and the entire series tie fighter x-wing versus tie fighter and i think there were some others deep rock galactic basically futuristic dwarves sent on mining missions together sim city 2000 i also oh, yeah. spent uh, way too much time on that game it was so good
2: i never got into sims
0: that's the only one i ever played i never played the sims i never played any other ones but SimCity 2000 i i have a copy
1: on my computer and it's great sanctum and sanctum 2 which is a first person tower defense game warcraft 2 which we talked about but it was great quick shout out to a couple i haven't played much but when i pulled in with friends they're super fun rocket league which is driving cars around at giant soccer balls and minecraft which i have a couple friends who had sucked away their souls for a few months but <laughs> you can do some pretty incredible things in there
0: i mentioned a little bit before but a10 attack and f18 hornet were two of my favorite flight simulators after hellcats
1: And I guess I should have said I don't have any more. I pared down my list as much as I could.
0: (laughs) All good. My last couple, I did have Oregon Trail on my list. Star Wars Rebel Assault. I don't know if you guys remember that one. That was a good one. I did enjoy League of Legends, even though I didn't enjoy the people who played it. (laughs) And Lunatic Fringe was a weird game that I really enjoyed. Just don't bump the mouse. Don't bump the mouse or the computer wakes up because it was a screensaver. That's right.
2: (laughs) Sim Stapler, is that a game? (gasps) Sim Stapler!
0: (laughs) Splendid! (laughs) Splendid.
2: (laughs) What's so good is I was trying to come up with games and I had mentioned that one to Alex and he's like, do you mean Stapler Sim? said, no no it's Sim Stapler. He's like, what is it and I was like, you push the button and the lady with her painted fingernail pushes the stapler and after ten she goes splendid <laughs> And that's the whole thing <laughs>